Welcome to Bad Poetry, uh, the show where all of us were once bad poets, and some of us still are. I am that someone, your host, Elise McGoran. And today, in our second ever episode of, <laughs> of uh, Bad Poetry, <laughs> uh, I have with me uh, Harrison Brockwell and Alex Isaac. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> um, so why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves and your relationship to poetry? Uh, Harrison, do you want to start first? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I am a current master's student here at the University of Tulsa, where all three of us are students, I guess you would say. <laughs> good stuff, um, good stuff. <laughs> and my relationship to poetry is that it is a art form of the written language, <laughs> of any written language, which means as a English grad student, I have to have an opinion about it. Uh, but other than that, I'm super inexperienced with it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, you had mentioned before that you've taken a like intro to creative writing. Yes. Um, and that was with Dr. Grant Jenkins. No. Right? No, okay, no. Uh, my, I'm taking African, I'm taking a grad seminar in African American poetry with Dr. Right. Jenkins right now. Okay. My intro to creative writing was with Dr. Bruce Willis. Okay. Cool. Yes. That's an awesome name. Yes, it is. <laughs> is he still and the fact that he's yeah, he's foreign. He specializes in the for, uh, foreign language department, but he ah. also does some creative writing here as well. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. That other voice you're hearing is uh, Alex Isaac. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll go ahead and introduce myself. I'm yeah. Alex. I am a senior here at the University of Tulsa. I'm majoring in media studies and creative writing. However, I <laughs> have never taken poetry here at the University of Tulsa. I uh, I specialize more in prose and screenwriting, mm -hmm. um, fiction for the most part. I feel that. I feel um, that. My one and only experience with poetry um, was a sophomore year of high school, four-week <laughs> poetry writing <laughs> slam that we oh did, um, and that I that's a vacant memory. I realized that was four and a half, five and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah, and so I have not touched <clears throat> poetry. I have not touched poetry since then <laughs> because I just, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I've tried reading it yeah. and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm trying to, what you're trying to say. <laughs> I mean, your alliterations are good, but apart from that, I don't really have much I can comment on this because I just, I know nothing like, <laughs> at all. Um, but uh, one, one fun fact uh, for the listeners out there is Alex and I are going to be taking the same poetry class next semester with Dr. Grant Jenkins. <laughs> I am so sorry, Dr. Jenkins. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. He'll get a little taste of what he's in for. Yes. <laughs> if, he, if he wasn't aware last week. <laughs> well, he doesn't know that I know nothing about poetry. Ah, so, yeah. So he's just seeing another student. Exactly. His class. He's just going to shake his head and be like, what? <laughs> it's fine. Dr. Jenkins likes talking about uh, poetic context mm. in case you didn't get that from last week. I'll just be like blank slates that I can pour all my knowledge out on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well that's good. Yeah. Maybe he'll be excited about it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So first I'm going to 
read my bad poem. And I'm going to tell you the title of the poem after I read it to you, because um, I think it, it adds something. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. boy. Right. I, 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 I'm ready for this. Let's, let's do it. I, I love a good, a good bad poem. All right. All right. Here okay. we go. Here we go. Okay. I am still. I am dreaming. Here, yet unfeeling. A spark. A sting. A tingling thing. Flowing through me. Diving and spreading like an afterthought electric shock, dragging me into the undertow, tumbling and helpless. A crippling flush, a tingling rush, a stumbling lush, a full light crush. A single moment made of thousands. I am awake, fully present in the moment. I'm alive, and I know because it hurts. Pain affirming life. Until it subsides, slowly, almost unnoticeable. And then it's gone, and I stand. That all-consuming drive, already an opaque memory. (laughs) <laughs> you told me what this one was about yeah, beforehand. This, this is the one downside to us all being friends. <laughs> oh shoot, I forgot. Okay, so this is my leg fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then my leg waking up. Yeah. Uh, as the story as the not the story. I as you can see, I am a prose writer. Yeah. Yeah. As the poem goes along. Wait, so what's the title? Up. My leg fell asleep. <laughs> well, at least I know I'm not the worst person with titles in the room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, my first poem that I read was Angry Period Rant. That's so a great I, name, I, though. I, I choose very, very literal yes. uh, titles to yes. my poems. Just in case the person didn't understand what it was about. Right. You're providing that knowledge. Right. right. So that right. they know. Which, like... It's almost like Cubist poetry, but... But not because I don't understand Cubism. <laughs> we will talk about Cubism later. Don't worry about that. Oh boy, um, oh boy. But I think it's interesting that your titles are like explanatory, mm-hmm. considering Dr. Jenkins talked about last week, like the idea of like finding the language and bring. And in class, he talks about uh, three dimensionality to poems, where everything has kind of like the horizontal and vertical space on the page, but then there's also a metatextual depth that you bring to the poem as the reader. So you're kind of... What do you, what do you mean by metatextual? So, like, uh, references, allusions. We're, uh, we're in an African-American poetry class. There's a whole lot of contextual stuff mm-hmm. that as a... Spoiler alert, as a cisgendered white male, um, I don't <laughs> have... I don't, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have to do a lot of legwork and research to understand more of the metatextual depth of that poem and, like, the intertextionality of it. So it's like Inception, only in poetry form. Sure. There's like levels within sure. levels. Yeah. But like for something like that, <laughs> for something like your poem about the leg falling asleep, the title does kind of give like a guidance, a guiding way to interpret it. Mm-hmm. But without that, it's – I would be interested to see – without the previous knowledge of what it's about, uh-huh. I think it would be interesting to see like what you – what people would be like, oh, this is what this is about. And like here's here's the hints to it. It, up like until that. I remembered that it was about your leg falling asleep, I thought it was like a bee sting. Oh, yeah. interesting. You know, because you said like there was like a prick and then like you feel it and like it yeah. goes everywhere. And I've never been stung by a bee, but <laughs> I, that's how I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood. That's what I assume <clears throat> the feeling is like from what I've heard. I have also never been stung by a bee. Jealous um, of y'all. Bees love me for some reason. Why are we talking about bees? Let's get back on focus. We gotta get back on track. Okay, so could be a bee. So it's a little bit vague, and then so then the title gives it. I don't. I think you're misinterpreting what I'm saying about 
uh, saying about it. Vague is not necessarily a bad thing. Right, right, right. Um, because if you're un- like being vague and being intentionally unspecific are different things. Mm-hmm. Um, like non-specificity could allow the reader to potentially bring their own interpretations to it and become a participant in the poetry. Mm-hmm. Whereas just straight up being vague is like being cryptic and just kind of being a jackass about things sometimes. <laughs> but like you had a very clear image in mind, but there are still points where it's like, I'm here, but I am not here. I know I'm alive because I feel pain. Uh-huh. That reads as almost allegorical to depression in a way. Oh. So there's a whole bunch of, like, (laughs) just depending on what you bring to it changes the interpretation. Mm -hmm. So, I like, again, I think it would be interesting to try and... Try it out on some other people who don't know. Right, and then hold the, like, you... Like you were, you you were kind of trying to do that by holding the title towards the end. Unfortunately, we're all friends outside of the podcast studio, uh, so, so I told you it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you exactly. were really excited about it yesterday. I remember. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So why is that? Why is it bad? Or what is bad about it? Or is it bad? Because I thought it. I thought it was bad. Well, it's interesting because when Harrison was talking, it like doesn't actually. Seem I don't again I know nothing about poetry but uh-huh, like when you yeah. were reading it I was like wow like this actually if this is her bad poetry it makes like <laughs> mine and the one that we found in the studio the other day like seem t- like bottom of the barrel like absolutely <laughs> terrible but I just like I didn't think it was bad per se yeah no and I think because from like the little I remember mm-hmm. from sophomore year of high school poetry class was the idea that like anyone can come to a poem and like interpret it a different way and that's yeah. kind of the beauty of it there's no wrong interpretations um and so the fact that like when Harrison brought up the allegory to depression you know mm-hmm. you can put multiple interpretations on it that it has that ability uh-huh. so i feel like that's a success in one way like you're doing mm-hmm. something so like right. the reader brings their own depth to it so even right. though it's a it's a poem about my leg falling asleep like the reader gives it meaning in a way mm-hmm. yeah which like, makes it more which makes it better. Right. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, just because a poem is about the mundane doesn't mean it's bad. Right. S- Gertrude Stein in Tender Buttons wrote a whole bunch of poems about the most mundane shit <laughs> in the world. And it's some of the most compelling poetry I've ever read. Oh, wow. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I think what a way to interpret what makes poetry not necessarily bad, but unsuccessful mm-hmm. is, is the poem very clearly about one thing? Okay. If the like if it's not nuanced, if it's not textured, and if it's very simple like if it's prose with some extra line breaks like mm-hmm. Brian talked about last week. Yeah. I think that fails at being poetry, but I don't think that necessarily makes it bad if okay. you follow me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and since like there's multi like your leg falling asleep is something super mundane and everybody is used to and has felt at some point mm-hmm. but just because just because the poem is about that mundanity doesn't make it bad there is that nuance to it there is a little there is some texture there so mm-hmm. it's not entirely failed either okay yeah so maybe that's a poem that could be good just like develop it right Ma- some more massage it a little wake up the poem <laughs> the, it's like your leg I would it's your leg right yeah. it's your leg that's asleep not the poetry <laughs> okay uh who wants to go next i think you said rock paper scissors decides yeah okay let's do it all right well, right now right now right, right now okay. Okay. okay dun 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 
Ah, both scissors. Both rocks. What are you guys? Okay. Alex wins. All right. She goes first. I go first. <laughs> scissors cut paper. Yes. Okay, so what I am reading from is... Uh-huh. After that high school poetry class, we made a portfolio of eight Ooh. poems. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and so, after reading them all last night, <laughs> I have decided that this is the one I'm going to read. This is the one. Okay. Yes. And I apologize if it's a little like all over the place. There's a reason, which I will show you at the end. Also, okay, I, will, cool. Backstory. I, I will clarify my previous statements. Most poetry written by high schoolers is just straight up bad. <laughs> okay. This is called Decisions. Okay. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay. Okay. Coke or Pepsi? Dress or pants? Go out or stay home. Oh, shoot. Go out or stay home and do and study. How what? Which do I prefer? How should I know? I barely recall what I ate for breakfast, much less last night's science homework. How should I know? Others can help, but only you can determine what you prefer. Some catch the fly with ease. Others seek too much influence to complete a simple task and begin to carry the swatter with them everywhere they go. So that Coke unwillingly becomes a beer. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay. <clears throat> that dress you wear, you bought two sizes too short. That outing you went to found you in a strange bed. <laughs> and it's then you realize you've been hunting a fly that's been with you all along, hiding in your hair, safe and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> But you're trapped inside the Venus, and the more you try to free out of the sticky spikes around you, they only make the pain worse, and you more stuck. One decision leads to another and eventually lead to a lifestyle. What will you choose? (laughs) (laughs) And so Pepsi. Wait, wait, wait. And no, no, it's not. It's done. So, but the poem is structured in the shape of a fly. What? What? No! This is. Man, I specifically went and fixed the structure of one of my poems to make it readable. No, I suffered through that. That's why I kept like. Okay, that's why you were stuttering. That's why I was stuttering because it was small text on my phone and yeah. So it's like everything is a gateway drug, basically. (laughs) So Pepsi is the drink of non alcoholics? Yeah, I guess if you drink Pepsi, you're good, guys. Like, no worries. <laughs> this episode sponsored by Pepsi. Ba-da-da. It's not. It's not. They're not paying us anything. <laughs> Getting violent. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, that was a poem. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh man. I. I think. I, lo- I think I need to amend my previous statement. That is successful at something. <laughs> And is kind. I I am, I'm in a state of euphoric bliss. That was incredible. <laughs> it's amazing, and Holy I love hell. that you took the time and the intense effort to structure it into the shape of a fly. I, when I found it, so my sister had to go on my dad's hard drive to find this because <laughs> it's not on my computer now. And when I saw it last night when she sent uh-huh. it, I was like, 
I remember <laughs> sitting in my room. How long did that take? I don't space, remember. Space, space, but like space, I just space, remember space, like space, it just space. it was like Coke on uh-huh. this. Like C O is one end oh and my then K E is the other end. Like Oh boy. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Wow. Okay, so Harrison, why don't you start talking about this poem? About hers? Yes. All right. So I think this goes back this kind of goes back to my idea of like simple like complexity versus depth versus and how that ties into failed and successful poetry because there's not a whole lot you can bring to that it's super clear what you're talking uh-huh, about yeah. mm-hmm. kind of just lay it out right and Coke like leads I, to drugs <laughs> or I'm, alcohol fear specifically yeah. specifically and like but like that's also it's a, it's a successful like experiment because it does kind of it plays with form and function and like the literary possibility of what you could do on the page because you structured it like you made it look like a a fly. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to take a picture if that's okay. Oh yeah, of course. No, Link in the I description. Hope everyone else can see it. No, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's already out there in the public, so might as well just send the picture yeah. out too. Yeah, uh, I. To say about that. Oh my gosh. You talk yeah. about it. That's totally um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was really funny um, because at first you're talking about decisions. I'm like, okay, you know, you're a high schooler, you're struggling, you're like, every decision will impact the rest of my life, which I think I definitely felt as a high mm-hmm. schooler. And so I think it's relatable in that way. Um, and even even now, just like when you go into college and you're like, okay, I need to pick a major. <laughs> yeah. No, you're so right. Yep. I need to pick classes and then I need to pick like, if you're on top of things like an internship or a work study or whatever. And then you're just like, you have all these decisions and until you set those in motion, you know, like it feels really crippling at times because mm-hmm. you're like, I can either make or break my entire life, which you're not. Like, right. you're fine. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think after I failed my first class, um, it was Spanish, uh, two, and that that oh man, that was just that was just a bad class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all around me because I wasn't a good student, and also because. Uh, yeah, just lots of things. But I actually think I legitimately got depressed that semester. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I failed that class, I felt so crippled because I was like, oh, my goodness, I failed one class, Spanish 2. This is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, like, it hasn't. Yeah. You moved on. <laughs> yeah. Which is what 16-year-old Alex could yeah. not understand. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it definitely speaks to that very real fear that if you make one mistake, then it leads you down this unavoidable path. And that you, you make one decision that impacts all of your other decisions. Right. And in a way, decisions do, but you can always, you can always say no. Like you can always or make a different decision down the road right. that turns you the other way. Right. It's right. not like you're going to solidify what your life is going to be like <laughs> when you're 15 or 16 years old. Like that's not mm-hmm. how it works. Yeah, but to every teenager, everything is the end of the world. Yeah. Right. Like getting grounded 
like your parents are going to hate you forever and you're never going to get the car back. <laughs> and that's going to be like a knock on effect of like, oh, no, this person I like is not going to talk to me again because I can't drive for a week. Right. Like everything is the, <laughs> like everything is that first domino in the chain, even yep. if last week something was the first domino in the chain. Then it just mm-hmm. spirals from there. Right. Exactly. So I think I, I like your poem because it's absurd. And it kind of like points out like the the actual absurdity of that type of thinking, mm-hmm. and, which I think is very easy to fall into. Like mm-hmm. and not just in high school, like a lot of people have that go through that. You yeah. know, something bad happens. And at least like for a second. Even if you're like super mature and in your in your fifties and you've like you've had your whole career and you're on your second career, midlife crisis, <laughs> you're like one bad thing goes wrong and then you're like for a right. split second even just like what am I gonna do? Right. And then and then you know you the thing about life is you learn to recover. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. 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 Yeah. Best case scenario, you, you learn you, to recover. You bounce back. Yes. <laughs> um. So Harrison, let's read. Yours. Okay. And you brought two. You cheated. I did. Like Brian. Um, <laughs> I'm probably not going to read the other one because, uh, like, we don't need to. Last week was a bunch of depressing, angry, angsty poetry. And <laughs> I don't need to go down that. I don't need to go down that hole because then I have to go into a whole explanation of why I wrote it, where I was, and I don't want to do that right now. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to go with this one. Uh, all these two poem. This poem, this bad poem, uh-huh. was one of the ones I wrote for. Intro to Creative Writing, and it was the first poem I wrote for that class, Uh, and it's called Mondays. I sit at my desk, a pen in my hand. My body wants nothing more than to stand and to go somewhere else, leave the writing until later. The laptop's hum makes my mind still, stopping the flow of ideas from my brain to my hand. I never thought this would drain my creativity to the point where I would almost write about my own hair. Poetry is very hard for me. (laughs) So... The deal with this poem is it was the first one I wrote for this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were assigned to do something with a standard AABB rhyme scheme. Right. Uh, start with the classics. Start with right. the classics, right? Got to know how to use form before you can break it. Exactly. So I just, and I was sitting there looking at like pen, like pen and paper, and I'm like, I can't. I'm just going to start writing. Like I cannot. I hate this. I hate it. <laughs> and I was and as I was sitting there writing, I realized I was doing all of the things that I hate in poetry. It uh it's an iambic pentameter. <laughs> it's center marginalized. Yeah, Ooh. It is. <laughs> Every line except the last one is in jammed. The first and last <laughs> lines are not okay, in what's are, what's in jammed? I forgot what that so is. It's, it's when the sentence continues on, on the, the next, next line. line. Yeah. So oh, the only the only two lines that aren't in jammed and that are end stopped are the first and the last one. Uh. It's also eleven lines. <laughs> so the last the poetry is very hard for me, doesn't have a rhyming rhyming line with it. I, I, it's very you. <laughs> it's very you. Yeah. I I love that last line though. Um because, okay, there's a song that came out recently, or, like, in the last couple of months, where he's talking about, like, uh, oh, going back when he was a kid, oh, and Lord I Lord. wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. Mm. And that line of the song yes, is Yes, it's not 21 rhymed. Pilots. Yeah, I no, love that. that is, oh, wait, yeah, it is. I was thinking of Seven Years. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. Stressed out. That's yes. what it is. Yeah, it's, okay. that's a good... No, I, I know exactly. to that song in general, yeah. but yeah. that line especially makes me... Mm-hmm. It. Well, it does, and then like that whole verse. If you mm-hmm. think about it, everything's ironic in that way. Yeah. Like he right. spins yeah. it a little bit, which is why I love that song so much. <laughs> but, 
which makes me like this poem as well because it's like poetry is very hard for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it starts out like you're you're writing at your desk and I'm kind of like, okay. <laughs> and you're really bored and you're trying to write something down and then it's just, you know, poetry yeah. is very hard for me. <laughs> right. It This was birthed out of one of those things of like, because we had done a couple just sit down in class and just write something. Uh-huh. And a lot of it was uh, prose. And this is the first, like I said, first poetry assignment. Mm-hmm. So I just sat there. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start writing and I'm going to deal with it. And I'm going to turn in whatever comes out. <laughs> and it's because we had uh, like, we had to keep journals and do mm-hmm. a piece of writing every day. Okay. So this Ooh, came out of that. Day. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot. <laughs> uh, so really I'm working you an intro over there, <laughs> right? But it was this idea of like keep it, keep the juices going, and yeah. just anytime you have a moment, yeah. just with the momentum. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and like in every in every creative writing class that I've ever had, and even just in like creative writing books and just general advice from people is like you have to start something mm-hmm. before you can improve. Mm-hmm. And there's that like you have to. Oh, was it? You have to do something a thousand times before it. Yeah. There's a specific number where like it mm-hmm. turns from something that's uh, practice and then turns into something that you're regularly doing and that becomes an integral part of you. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, po- obviously poetry falls into that. Or like, so I think that was that was a good exercise. And even just starting talking about like whatever you're doing at the moment can be helpful because mm-hmm. then yeah. that might spark something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I like the um when you when you read it there was a definite rhythm to it which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um but like kind of like Elise said you can tell it is like a starter a starter mm-hmm. piece which doesn't yeah. necessarily make it bad I'd say. Mm. You know, just yeah. because it's like your first poem ever. Right. Like, of course it's going to be crap. Like <laughs> No, I think it's crap because it's all the shit I hate in poetry all condensed into one, which in a way also makes it good because it's acerbic and just like a giant middle finger to authority, mm-hmm. but also, oh, I hate it. So, does this piece have a title? Yeah, Mondays. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Mondays. Okay, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, because I tried to capture. Because it's another like, thing that you hate. It, yeah, and it was. I was. I guess retroactively, I was trying to capture that sense of just like. Uh. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Lovely. I love it. <laughs> Okay. Um, did you did you want to read that one? The other one. This well, is or the was good. That was the other. Okay. You I'm done read your with good bad. One? Okay. Because I don't good. have I don't have a good poem. Alex, I don't have a good poem Alex either. Alex doesn't have a good poem. All right. <laughs> so you're the only one who's gonna be reading a good poem. Okay. Um, do you want to give backstory? Before yeah. Or after. So, like I mentioned earlier, we about <laughs> to talk about cubism, y'all. <laughs> um, what is cubism to start? So. To start, all right. So let me. When when people say cubism, they're usually talking about the movement in painting, like Picasso is like the biggest cubist known. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. uh, In the one of the first modernism classes I took, we were covering Gertrude Stein, Mm -hmm. and. um, Yeah, you mentioned her earlier. Yeah, and we were tasked to group up and come up with a poem. That kind of mirrored her style by cutting up words uh, from stuff we found and cut and pasting it together in stuff whatever. Stuff like? Like words, like pamphlets, magazines, okay. copies of the yeah, Collegian. Yeah, yeah, I've done one of those. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I did this with uh, a couple other people in class. So I'm not going to 
try and say this is entirely mine because mm-hmm. Adam you're Nick, a contributor right Adam Nick Karen and Brenna also had a pin, uh, input on this but I'm the one on a poetry podcast not <laughs> so um, I have retroactively entitled this Pastor Tony Alamo a measured response <laughs> nice and here we go. Christian angels have sex in the teen void. Whoa. Jesus said so in Mark. A happy tune in an, ad- in an ordained Taco Bell. Adultery. Socialism pawn? Is it possible for the church to exist? Metamorphic rocks provide answers to these and many other questions. I just do a pair of beefy reproductive organs mason jar on top of on top 1934 rural Missouri. Entry vindication. In two easy steps, minister became a dystopian future. Cyber struggles in the living room damaging the equipment outside a modest one-story home. The the rings shrink. How I run, have sex. Oh my gosh. Can I read? Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I brought in a typed up version. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the cut and pasted version I don't have anymore. Uh-huh. I, we turned it in, and I only have a blurry, blurry picture. But the form of that thing is incredible. Like, we <laughs> played around with the. I had to make executive decisions on how I was going to read it uh-huh. because we took in that last line, how I run was the main thrust of the line. But mm-hmm. we took a clip of the phrase have sex, turned it sideways, and stuck it inside the U. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it kind of. The way we drafted this was trying to make the funniest combinations we possibly could. Yeah. But then it turns into this, like, anti-religious metaphysical rant. Yeah. With just, like... A lot of stuff about relationships and a marriage specifically. You want to talk about a text that you have to bring your own interpretation to? That is that. Yeah. And and I, I I loved especially like there were also some some subtle like you obviously have the the church and mm-hmm. and and the rings and stuff like that but also the rocks. Um, Alex, could you read that line again? Yeah, Meta- metamorphic rocks provide answers to these and many other questions. Yeah, so there's like uh, there's a verse in the Bible, but also like a song that talks about the rocks crying out. Mm-hmm. Um, which that immediately made me think of because you oh, have right. all the yeah. other like uh, spiritual, right. uh, religious themes in there, specifically mm-hmm. with Christianity mm-hmm. yes. as a religion. And, and the morals of Christianity that go with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, like adultery and then and then with the wedding rings. Um, An ordained Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> which kind of speaks to the commercialization yeah. of religion and spirituality. Definitely. So the title... <laughs> <laughs> the title. Well, where does that come from? So one of the pamphlets um, our group brought in was left on this girl's car at work. And it was a, in all essence, propaganda pamphlet mm-hmm. from the Tony Alamo Christian community. Oh. Oh, my God. Tony Alamo was a pastor who started, like, the Alamo Parish. Uh, and it borders on, like... Looking at their website, it kind of borders on cultish because he writes all these pamphlets and like tracks that kind of remind me of like uh, 1800s, 1700s murder pamphlets and religious pamphlets type stuff. Like it is the hardest of hardcore propaganda. Wow. Um, And I can't like it was a it was this pamphlet was specifically a cautionary tale about like 
teens having sex and like condemning their souls to the void and stuff like oh, that. Man. So like any of the outright explicit religious stuff mm-hmm. came from there. Like okay. Christian Angel, like that whole first line mm-hmm. was taken from the first page and the title. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, before you said that, I was going to note it's an interesting commentary on the pamphlets that would be circulating around our location. Because yeah. we're in Tulsa, yep. we're in Oklahoma, we're in a very like religiously yeah. driven city. Mm-hmm. There's and a so the church on every street corner. Literally. Yes. So the fact that it is so saturated with these, Im- these images of Christianity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that would make sense. Right. Because... You know, all these churches obviously are trying to evangelize. Like, they right. want to get a following. So yeah. it would make sense that you would find a lot of those phrases, like a lot of those pamphlets and prop- not right. say propaganda. But I mean, you're, I'll, I'll say it again. Propaganda. Propaganda. <laughs> Floating around, you know, and yeah. that's what you're going to be drawing from. So right. it speaks yeah. a lot to the place that it was written, mm-hmm. air quotes, yeah. in as well. Well, I mean, it, it was kind of written because putting yeah. written in air quotes would, like imply that it like found language isn't a type of writing Mm. yeah and we we talked about found language on uh on the previous podcast with uh dr jenkins and he Mm -hmm. did only he did listening uh Mm -hmm. to someone speaking orally and you guys uh like cut and and pasted right and that's that's really cool so this is just like another way to do that right which is really awesome that's cool And if you want to talk about cubism, the best way I have been able to explain it is it's talking around an object. Mm -hmm. In Tender Button, Stein describes kind of everything else around the subject of her poem and somehow is able to give you a complete image of her, of the subject itself. Do you have an example of that? Uh, not or? off the top of my head. Okay. So could you could you do that with your poem? I mean, if you impl- – like, it kind of is. In a weird mm-hmm. way, this is kind of talking around um, and describing the effects of Bible Belt religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, you were saying, Alex, because, mm-hmm. like, specifically, in two easy steps, a minister became a dystopian future. Yeah. Like – not to get too overtly political <laughs> or anything, but no, just go there. Stuff, you might as well. <laughs> stuff ain't great in Oklahoma right now, and like they and they consistently vote along the lines of like the evangelicals mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. the Christian right, and like poverty, like real estate prices are super low, gas prices are super low, but mm-hmm. also like they're like the state's hemorrhaging teachers. They're not yeah. paying the ones that are staying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sister moved to Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it is kind of a dystopian hellscape. Oh. Well, it's interesting because with the whole topic of religion, mm-hmm. um, religious organizations, even on campus, kind of have that, like, dystopian, culty feel. Like, I don't know if, like, I I, I'm, mm-hmm. I was raised Catholic. Yeah. And I kind of do, like, practicing on my own. I don't really affiliate with a church at the moment just because, like, you know, issues. And, like, yeah. They represent, you know, institution, whatever. Everyone's got a backstory with a church. Yeah. Exactly. So, whether um, you're Christian or whatever. Yeah. It, or, I think everyone in our generation kind of goes through that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But um, it's funny because during orientation week on campus, uh, they say that like all 
um, orientation leaders have to disaffiliate from their organizations. Okay. Um, so that's Greek life, that's um, RUF, that's BCM, that's like everything. Mm-hmm. And apparently they worry more about people in RUF, Stumo, and BCM than they do people in Greek life because Whoa. of that sort of evangelical, like the evangelizing, yeah. let's go and recruit people kind of nature that those organizations have. And I've, I know we've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just kind of the exclusionary, like, cultish feel they can have sometimes. Yeah. Not that I'm trying to bash on them. I know a lot of people who really enjoy them. But, like, and again. And I, I should clarify, I have no problem with religion and religious people in general. It's just when it's run amok in a toxic fashion that gets me going. Well, yeah, because yeah. when you're a part of an institution, you I think a key thing it's people forget is it's an institution. Yeah. And you can still be part of it and enjoy it, but mm-hmm. you need to go into it with mm-hmm. a critical eye. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to be able to question it, which is what I think we're learning, like, in all our yeah. classes in college. But And what this poem points to is yes. pointing out, like, mm-hmm. the, the franchisement right. of, mm-hmm. of religion. Mm-hmm. And I think denominations as well, specifically, because right. yes. they vary so much. Like, you talk about being a Christian, but there's so much within that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like, my family used to be Baptist, but we had, like, a falling out with a church because— we were homeschooled, and <laughs> how um, dare you! All right. right. <laughs> well, no, like it was is the the children's pastor uh, decided to go homeschool mm. to homeschool his kids, mm-hmm. and then like the pastor basically told him to not do that because it would look bad, and like look like he looked down on people who sent their kids to public school mm. and so he basically told him that he needed to public school's kids and he was like no i don't feel like that's what's best for my family and so he was asked to leave okay yeah <laughs> and so my family who were like we'd been going there for 10 years mm-hmm. at this point we we're just like well if <laughs> like what do you think right. about us then right mm-hmm. exactly and so we left <laughs> <laughs> and then we're to another baptist church like they're still Baptist. I'm I'm Reformed Presbyterian right mm-hmm. now, but they're still Baptist, but they're going to a different church that that is very different right. from that church, yes. even though they're in the same denomination. That's so true. Like even with when you go look at Catholics, like mm-hmm. we, I went to a very traditional church. You know, we had an organ player. We still have an <laughs> organ player. Like it's everything's very somber and like serious, and yeah. they chant everything. And then you go to my aunt and uncle's church, like 15 minutes away in the same like mm-hmm. county area. And it's, like, fun, and they have guitar players, and it's, like, you know, people yeah. dance around and stuff. It's totally different. So That's yeah. so interesting. It, it's crazy how that works. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, so. Poetry. Poem. <laughs> Poetry. <Yeah. laughs> Bit of a tangent there. Sorry, Sorry about that. That's <laughs> what I mean. Isn't good poetry supposed to spark conversation like this? Definitely. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Definitely. Thanks, and Harrison. I, <laughs> and I think that just points to how your yeah. poem how your poem works is mm-hmm. it does spark that conversation. Even though it's like very oh no, my mom would describe it as like in your face, very graphic. <laughs> I um, believe I believe the correct term is modernist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there there is it's interesting because it talks about all these supposedly reverent things like the rings Mm -hmm. and like this very seriousness of adultery Mm -hmm. and angels and pastors and things that are supposed to be in a way um, sacred, not so much pastors because they're people. Um, (laughs) But, but does it in this, in this like 
you said angels having sex, Christian angels having sex. In the teen void. In the teen void. And it's very irreverent, which is like, at first I was kind of like, oh, you know, my innate sensibilities. <laughs> like, oh man, angels having sex, what? <laughs> but then it's, you know, it makes you think about it because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, why do I find this different or odd or mm-hmm. offensive? And then it makes you think about what the poem's actually saying, which is really cool. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, we drafted it to come up with the funniest lines we possibly could. And we were just dying at the idea of Christian, <laughs> uh, of one, the teen void. Yeah. Two, right. that, <laughs> that Christian angels specifically, the fact that angels ha- are denominational. Right. Clearly, because yeah. that's and, how religion works. And <laughs> that Jesus would have the foresight to mention all of this in, <laughs> in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark. <laughs> like, we just thought all of it was the most hilarious thing. And, yeah. like, the idea of a Taco Bell being ordained. Was, oh, man. In the process of writing That's it. That's what got me, the ordained Taco Bell. In the process of, like, I think this also speaks to, like, again, the extra depth that the reader brings to it. When we were writing this, we were just having a good old goof. Right, Like, yeah. we weren't considering any of this, and it turns into... Like something that you all like, we can draw. A we had ton. a really in-depth discussion we about, did. about yeah. a really difficult topic. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Good job. <laughs> yeah, that and like, good. there's also a little bit speaking to the American dream here. Cyber struggles in the yeah. living room, damaging the equipment outside a modest one-story home. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And I think also that speaks to historically how religion has been tied to, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I was thinking upper class, but that's the wrong word. Well, do you know why America was founded? In the first, like, why the Puritans came over? Right. Yeah. Because England wasn't religious enough, so they're like, we're going to go to this new land, and we're yeah, going to go be got, more religious. Yeah. yeah, they lost the, they got kicked out after the interregnum, and they were like, all right, cool. Uh-huh. We don't want to deal with y'all, y'all uh, cavaliers <laughs> and libertines, so we're going to go build our city on a hill. And then did all of this. Yeah. Well, and that sort of, like build the city on the hill and mm-hmm. move out westward. We're technically like westward. Yeah. So that's why people Southwest. came to Tulsa. Like right. mm-hmm. it's that that frontier like we got to go mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm. conquer the unknown. Yeah, and the the kind of like m- middle class American dream, like religion is one of those check boxes. It's yeah. like a lot of things it's like uh, one of the questions I get a lot if I'm like talking to new people and especially about like church or we're talking about religion or something it's like the question comes up where do you go to church not if you go to church yeah but like especially in oklahoma that's where i've gotten that question is mm. where do you go to church because it's just assumed that you do interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so we've we've read our poems uh do you guys have anything that you guys are working on poetry or otherwise that you'd like to talk about i mean there's the default Watch TUTV. <laughs> yes, TUTV is amazing. Um, you all should watch it. We're also doing a live stream for the general election uh, on November 6th. It's going to be like three hours long. From 7 to 10 p.m. Yes. Yeah. I will be directing it from the booth. Alex <laughs> is the director yes, at TUTV. I am. <laughs> Spearheading this project with my assistant to the director, Elise McGoran. <laughs> it's going to be glorious, uh, so you guys should definitely tune into that. Yes. Um, Alex, are you working on any creative Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's think. What all am I working on? 
There's a few things. So uh, I'm in the honors program here, and for my honors plan, I'm doing a series of short stories Ooh, cool. that take place. It's like a sci-fi dystopia kind of thing. <laughs> it nice. takes place. Uh, so basically the concept is us humans done fucked up and ruined <laughs> the planet because climate change. Real right? real high concept sci-fi there. I yeah, accept thanks. it. I accept thanks. it. Thanks. So um, basically the backstory to the short stories that I'm doing for the project mm-hmm. is that the NASA sent two astronauts out to Kepler 22b, which is a planet in another galaxy that they think can be habitable in this today. They're like, this is one of the options for a habitable planet. So they right. go out there to like figure out if it's going to work like, or we not. We all saw this coming, but we did nothing. So now let's try and exactly. survive. So um, basically. That's what procrastination does. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> basically, we yes, that's what's gone on. So the story itself takes place like hundreds of years after we've moved human race to Kepler 22b it's yeah. called I think Arasanya at the moment because it's <laughs> the last two names of the astronauts that were first to land there okay. um and basically it's just me venting all my political frustrations <laughs> into this world that I've created so everything's allegorical to like the Trump administration mm. and the whole Kavanaugh scandal and yeah. um even this idea of like whose land is America's because mm. Kepler 22b, what's cool about it is it's um, entirely, it's water based, but not okay. water, liquid methane. Ooh. So Ooh, it's, okay. yeah, methane based life is what they're speculating lives on okay. that planet now. So there's a conflict in the story between like the methane based life that lives in the water versus the humans who live on these like constructed land masses yeah, that yeah. they've had to made, have had to make. Um, so that's ultimately what I'm working on. That's the big thing. And then yeah. um, You're I did about like indigenous versus mm-hmm. invasive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also that idea of like the mythologies, like, mm-hmm. you know, humans are going to remember the first two astronauts differently than the methane people will. Like, I don't Ooh, have yeah. a name for them yet, but just kind of like in that sort of realization, because I know like for me, just learning about like, you know, realities of slavery, realities of like the... Mm-hmm. internment Native camps American in population. Native American mm-hmm. population, the internment yeah. camps in California for, yeah. you know, the Asian population. Like, you know, you look at that and you're like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> we suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so just putting that, and it's going to be, I want it to be directed towards, like, all ages in a way. So kind of yeah. like, you know, when you read Harry Potter as a kid, you're like, oh, my God, magic. And then you read it as an adult, and you're like, oh, my God, depression. Like, <laughs> Harry, <laughs> wow. Oh, my God, problematic aspects. Yes, exactly. So hopefully people the suck. P- people suck. Um, so I just I just want it to be something that, like, multiple people can read. Yeah. So that's the goal. So that's the big thing that Man, has I'm been going on. I'm excited about yes, that. Yeah, that sounds cool. A lot of work needs to be done on it. But, you know, live stream comes first at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Take one problem at a time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what about you, Harrison? All right. So on and off due to graduate school work being so, so, so much. Graduate school work. Graduate <laughs> school work is just the most. Um, <laughs> I also am a contributor over at uh, Talk Film Society. It's a film website. We're based out of Austin. Um, pretty standard stuff cool. like reviews mm-hmm. of current films, retrospectives on uh, big stuff. We're doing our major like Halloween series right now. We're on Twitter. We uh, put out recommendations every day that, oh, nice. uh, curated by the staff. And then the last couple are going to include companion pieces. I just put up a piece on uh, The Witch from 2016. I uh, haven't seen that. It's incredible, and I talk about its lineage in uh, 17th century um, 
Puritan propaganda Ooh. and murder pamphlets of the time. And how That's why it, he knew about the murder pamphlets <laughs> earlier. I'm a modernist, but I'm also an early modern British person. Like, my interests are all over the place. Um, but I also talk Modernism about... Modernism everywhere. Yes, I also <laughs> lightly talk about how um, the witch touches on the lineage of othering Native Americans, but steers away from racializing mm. in the film until, like, the very end when it touches on that very lightly. Things happen. Uh, yes, I don't want to spoil in case like you two haven't seen it. No, I we rec- should go. This will recommend- add it to our movie night. That's <laughs> all <laughs> we gotta do. The Witch is currently streaming on Netflix. In oh, case ooh, anybody cool. wants to, I have wants to watch it, it I is a it is Netflix. it is. Well, a, my mom has Netflix. That's what I was gonna so, say. <laughs> so you have Netflix. <laughs> it's a quick. It's a quick ninety. It's not an easy ninety, but it's a quick ninety. Okay. 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 Right. Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I am just doing graduate school work. I am the audio engineer at TUTV. Heck yeah! And I would <laughs> implore all of you to at least watch one episode and don't judge us too harshly. We recommend watching uh, this week's episode. It will be on October twenty fourth. Is when it'll be posted. Twenty uh, fourth or twenty fifth? Because today's the twenty fifth. I thought today is the twenty fourth. Oh, so the twenty fifth then. Yes. Okay, cool. So Friday. That Friday. Imme- well, that no, immediately dates this episode. And, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're putting this episode out out next week, so uh, it'll already be up, and you don't have to worry about waiting. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> check it out. Check us out on YouTube at Two TV Media Lab or on Facebook yes. at Two TV Media Lab. <laughs> Uh, speaking of TUTV Media Lab, <laughs> um, I would like to thank them for their use of this amazing podcast studio, Studio 151, um, and letting me use their uh, incredible equipment uh, so that I don't have to buy anything. Um, but I can still do this podcast, and it sounds really nice. It does. <laughs> um, and also, thank you guys so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, I'm really happy you were here, and uh, and. Uh, that I think is it Uh, and thank you the listeners uh, for tuning in this week on Bad Poetry Yeah.